You are live with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. It's an awesome program today, John. We've uh, got some really interesting stuff. I think the big thing uh, for me would be talking about digital vaccination passports. This is really starting to bubble up now, not only for international travel, but also for domestic. They're talking about having potentially these digital vaccination passports to get into movies or concerts or sporting events. I still don't understand how that's going to work because if it's an app, I can screenshot it. Like, what's the what's the verification going to be like? Well, it's a good question. We're going to be talking with Carrie Bowman from the University of Toronto all about it. And we're going to be talking about memory, computer memory. I know, doesn't sound super exciting, but it's actually super fascinating. Uh, memory makes all the computers and laptops do their thing. And it's important that you have the right memory in your computer. We've got a great guest on from Kingston that will tell us what to look for to make sure that your computer and laptop are running the best they can. Let's uh, talk about some of the uh, tech news uh, this uh, week, John. This was interesting. So cryptocurrencies, like Bitcoin. Uh, One way to get uh, Bitcoin, for example, is to buy it through these uh, cryptocurrency exchanges like Coinbase. Or another way is to mine it. And it's still kind of a a fuzzy thing for a lot of people to understand. But basically, uh, there are people that use really high-end computers to run these software algorithms to mine bitcoins and the idea is that uh, these uh, these servers these computers are also helping do the transactions as well yes yes that's right yeah and that's they're being rewarded for doing that by getting little pieces of for example bitcoin right but it, it's it's an expensive process because you need some pretty high-end hardware to do this and electricity and electricity So there's a story here out of the Ukraine. There's a crypto farm there that had thousands, literally thousands of PS4 Pros. These are Sony PlayStation consoles. Consoles. I didn't know you could mine Uh, cryptocurrency with them. I didn't either, but apparently they had 3,800 consoles, which to buy them, it's about 1.5 million US dollars worth of PlayStation consoles. So the challenge with some of these cryptocurrencies, John, like Bitcoin uh, and mining and doing all the transactions, uh, they are eating up huge amounts of electricity, not very eco-friendly. No. And this particular crypto farm was basically stealing electricity from the country's power grid. It's kind of funny because remember back in the day, people used to raid grow ops? Yes, because they'd be stealing electricity and that's how they'd find them. Yes. BC Hydro would know there's a high draw in a place that no one lives at. Yeah. And or it's just a regular home and they shouldn't be using 10 times the amount of electricity. Right, right. Yeah. So that they'd find it that way. But now, you know, crypto farms are becoming the new pot farms. So apparently they stole about the equivalent of over a quarter of a million dollars US in electricity, uh, which the illegal withdrawal of electricity, they say, can lead to entire neighborhoods uh, there in the Ukraine without electricity. So they're, they're causing blackouts in neighborhoods because the 4,000 PlayStations are just mining cryptocurrency. Yeah, I still don't know how they used a PS4 to do that, but the PlayStation has a very powerful graphics processor in it, yeah. which is integral to mining crypto. So there, when there's a will, there's a way. It's just crazy, eh? Uh, Also in the news, John, Ring. They are going to be rolling out end-to-end encryption now. 
for the Ring video doorbells and all the Ring security cameras, which is a good thing for Ring owners. I'm a Ring owner. Me too. I, I love them. It's just so easy to set up and so easy to, to watch the video answer the door. Well, apparently it was easy to watch your video <laughs> if it's not you. And so they're encrypting all their all Well, that thank data. God, yeah. yeah. So if you are a, uh, a Ring owner, if you've got one of those Ring video doorbells, this is uh, good news uh, for you. So uh, basically all the video and information will be encrypted. Yeah, which makes it very difficult, if not impossible, for somebody to spy on your doorbell. Or yeah, your... I, so I can't watch you anymore. No. Come home. No. No. Unless I had your password. Which you probably have. Probably. Okay. Uh, Apple reporting uh, reportedly working on a pay later feature for Apple Pay. So uh, for the latest iPhones, you can actually put your credit cards and debit cards digitally into your phone, into the Apple Pay or the Apple Wallet, yeah. and use that to pay wirelessly. Yeah. And so they have, what, what is this here? You can, what, like that, put something on well, it, it's payment like, plan? Yeah, it's like a payment plan using Apple Pay. So you'd be able to go to like the Apple Store, buy an iMac, and you can either pay in installments or just defer those payments until your tax refund or something else. But it's unclear if this is coming to Canada. This is still kind of like a rumor, but uh, all the major tech sites have been reporting it. So this would imagine is for Apple products to start, right? So it's well, yeah. maybe. I mean, if it, it depends, right? Because if if it depends on who's backing it, right? Like, there's different services like Payaffirm, and uh, I think there's Affirm is another company where you can go and buy stuff, and it gives you a payment plan option. So you you make a monthly payment on your credit card, yeah, to pay for something, which makes it a lot more affordable or more bite sized chunkable as far as how you're going to pay for a high end item. So again, this is uh, rumors, but uh, I think it's reported in Bloomberg. Yeah. Uh, like one of the options they're saying is like an Apple Pay and four options. So you'll need to make four interest-free payments across two months. So that could help, you know, reduce yeah. that the new, price. The new computer or laptop yeah. or whatever you need, yeah. And uh, it looks like there'll be options beyond that, but then interest uh, starts uh, creeping in, which interest always starts creeping in. Yes. Essentially. Uh, we're talking all about the latest uh, tech news uh, here on Get Connected. Looks like uh, Google is uh, in hot water there. They've uh, been fined half a billion euros in France over bad faith negotiations with news outlets. So this has been an ongoing struggle for a lot of media outlets, newspapers. Uh, they're trying to find ways, obviously, to monetize what they're doing in this digital world because no one's going and buying print copies uh, anymore because you can get the news free yep. online and who's the biggest recipient of that the facebook's and google's of the world so uh, a lot of governments are looking to curtail that and actually forcing some of these giants to actually make deals with media outlets uh to pay them for that so uh looks like the french government is not happy about it and uh saying that google has not done its best to make those agreements happen. So finding them half a billion dollars. Billion euros. Euros, sorry, that's even more Canadian yeah. dollars. That's insane. So basically, news publish publishers, uh, they've uh, gained uh, the ability to request payment for the use of their content on these third-party platforms because uh, the European Union uh, passed this uh, copyright directive, basically, yeah. to make that happen. I know other places like Australia have, uh, uh, you know, basically been putting in some similar legislation and i think we're going to see that in, in canada 
as well. It, it seems inevitable. Yeah. The, the challenge is, is like, there's just so many different outlets and at what point are you a valid outlet versus not a valid outlet? Like, like technically we're an outlet, right? Yes. I want to be paid millions, <laughs> but I don't think we will. I no. think like the globe and mail will probably get more money than, probably. than we do, but it's a challenge though, John, like yeah, trying to, well, you, you want to make it available to everybody, but yeah. at the same time, you, you got to... But here's Google and Facebook just linking right to your stuff and, and serving up ads beside your content. Well, that's that's the uncool part. That's that's the rub, yeah. so to speak. Okay, we, uh, we'll have to take a break here in a moment. Don't forget, we have great contests going on, and this month is outstanding. Giving away an MSI Summit E13 Evo Flip Series laptop. Did I get that? It's such a mouthful. It is a mouthful, but it's an amazing laptop. It's Beautiful. A hand, it's a handful laptop. Yeah, it's touchscreen. The screen flips into tablet mode as well. It's got a pen so you can take notes and sign things. Uh, and we're giving one away. So if you want to get more details, you're going to go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and hang out till the end of the show because John is going to tell you a way to get even more ballots into the contest to up your chances of winning. When we come back from the break, Digital vaccination passports to get into movies and restaurants. Would you go for that? Let's find out. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Going to talk about something a little sensitive now. We've uh, sweated it through the uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. How long has it been now? 16, 18 months? I can't even remember anymore. 10 years? 10 years. <laughs> well, uh, vaccinations are, are obviously a big help in reducing uh, the amount of uh, infected people and deaths. Uh, but there's been a lot of talk uh, over the past uh, few months about, uh, I guess, digital passports, digital vaccination passports for people that want to travel. And this is something that I'm looking at uh, doing here for, for business in the next couple of months. Uh, and there's a number of countries and provinces and states that are looking at it. Uh, I know Manitoba, for example, is going to introduce some sort of uh, digital vaccination vaccination passport to help us understand what it all means and will these things work and what we have to be aware of. We've got a great guest. Uh, we have Kerry Bowman on the line, a bioethicist and... Uh, a bioethicist over at the University of Toronto. Thanks for joining us, Kerry. Happy to be here. Uh, so there's been a lot of talk about this. Uh, I think there is kind of a divide. There's people for it. Uh, and, you know, I've looked at some of the poll numbers. Uh, it looks high for people who want to travel. Uh, I think a lot of people are in agreement that uh, some sort of passport, a vaccination passport, would be good for uh, international travel. But then that, those numbers go lower when it comes to having some type of passport to go to the gym or a concert or, or movies. Uh, what direction are we headed here in Canada? Have you kind of got a sense of what's happening? Yes, I do. Division, division, and division uh, <laughs> is the problem. Uh, we're very divided. Let me just start, if I may, with with big, as you clearly indicated in your intro, there's a big distinction between uh, international global passports and domestic. Domestic sounds a bit odd because this is such a huge country. But um, first of all, international, whether we love it or not, are inevitable. Uh, they're already being adopted uh, throughout the world. And look, there is ethical problems with international. Uh, the first being that, you know, the amount of people in this world that have had access to vaccines tend to be uh, people in high income countries like Canada and the privileged few from lower income countries. And, and then the question too becomes which vaccine? I myself am AstraZeneca all the way. That's not going to be acceptable for some, right? So it depends. Um, 
So lots of problems. When we look at the national situation, Canada and its 10 provinces and three territories, we are dividing left, right, and center over this. Uh, we're dividing within our provinces and between our provinces and amongst our provinces as well. So, so very, very tough. Um, let me just try and break this down a little bit ethically. You know, freedom of movement is not something we think about or talk about much. But in a mature democratic society like Canada, freedom of movement is a given. And it's really a right. It may not be a constitutional right, but it, it's really embedded within a democratic society that unless, you know, you're in violation of, of the criminal code, you really do have freedom of movement. So that will be curtailed with vaccine passports. You know, some people won't be able to go to sports events, gyms, whatever, because they either can't be vaccinated or choose not to be vaccinated. Um, staying with ethics, there's also an element of surveillance to this. So if I go out on a Friday night and I go for a glass of wine here and dinner there and coffee there, and you know, I've got an app, uh, um, and I'm flashing that left, right, and center, there's an element of surveillance. Um, now, some people will say, so what? Who cares where I go or you go on a Friday night? But it's kind of not the point. Um, you know, we, we have a right to not be under surveillance. And the purpose may not be surveillance, but data will be stored in most of these situations. So, you know, there is ethical concern on this. Now, the other side of it, ethically, is people that have been fully vaccinated have a right Right to reintegrate into society and to be safe and protected from other people that aren't vaccinated. And that's probably why it's as contentious as it is. Gosh, I have so many questions. <laughs> Me too. Uh, let's just go back to quickly uh, the international travel. Uh, and yeah. we're seeing that many countries are are trying to figure out, you know, some type of passport system. And it's only going to work if everyone gets on board with it. You know, the EU has got something going on. Uh, Canada and the U.S. are talking about it uh, as, as well. And one of the points you brought up that's going to be an issue, you know, just depending on what vaccination you got. I got AstraZeneca and then I got Pfizer. And some places like the U.S. haven't authorized AstraZeneca. So that could be a problem. Like, do you think they're going to be able to get all on board with this? And, you know, how... How are they going to police like the the validity of the the information as well? Like I look at my vaccination card and I actually had to fill in one of them because you know I had my AstraZeneca at done at a pharmacy at Walmart and then I had the Pfizer one done at one of the you know the the clinics uh, essentially and I had to fill in one of the things on the card. Like so, how that, how that, accurate is that? That was my question, Carrie. Is how are we going to be using these passports, whether they're digital, physical? Is it going to be a stamp in your actual passport? Is it going to be an app that I can easily Photoshop and show a screenshot? And, you know, like, or is it a PDF that I can manufacture myself? You know, mm -hmm. like, like there's all these questions about the validity of it, which we deal with, you know, when we travel internationally anyways with an actual passport. So there's all these different measures to make sure it's not counterfeit and that type of stuff. But this seems like, super easy just go to your local staples and print off something it probably would be so all indications are it will be digital um and you know that does and i'm not an expert on this at all but that does not mean it can't be hacked and if you look at an example like the united states um 
And, you know, they may, I don't know this, but I speculate when I say this, they may say to incoming people from Canada, you know, are you vaccinated with an approved, uh, sorry, an approved American vaccine? Uh, now, in your case, the answer is half true and half not true, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not even talking ethics now, you know, it's, it's, it's a criminal offense to lie to those guys, right? So if you said yes, technically, they could nail you, you know, like, because you've just lied to them, right? Yeah. Um, and you, you haven't even really lied, by the way, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and you know, is it fair that we're put in these, and I, I wouldn't be able to go at all I, if, if that's what the question was. I'm not saying that's what the question will be. I, I took AstraZeneca completely. You know, I, I work with the United Nations and other groups, and now I'm finding out there may be countries I'm not allowed in at all because I'm AstraZeneca. So, this is the heart and the essence of vaccine passports is they create divisions. Now, are these divisions like AstraZeneca split, da, 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 are these evidence-based or are they bureaucratic? They, I would argue they're bureaucratic. The World Health Organization has made it clear AstraZeneca, including Russian Sputnik V or V, Sinovac, some of the Chinese, these are all acceptable. But the countries are saying, no, we just want our own, right? Because we've done the research and that's the, our standards and that's what you have to do. So you've already got a very complicated issue. And, and, you know, for Canadians, the amount of Canadians that cross into the U.S. and vice versa, we all know that story. It's huge. Um, and so this has not been sorted out. And this is one of the reasons why vaccine passports are going to be as difficult as they probably will be. We're talking with Kerry Bowman a bioethicist uh, over the University of Toronto talking about uh, digital vaccination passports. And there's kind of a couple levels. We've talked a bit about the international travel, which is a quagmire. Uh, <laughs> what I want to do, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, keep uh, carry on the line to talk about uh, digital passports, uh, vaccination passports for other things like potentially concerts and, and movie theaters and, and such. You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected, Mike and John here. We're talking about digital vaccination passports. Uh, in the previous segment, we touched on the international aspect and how that is going to be crazy town, uh, getting all of the countries to agree on uh, you know what vaccines are acceptable and what's not. Uh, and I just want to you know finish the thought on that, uh, Carrie. Uh, and again, Carrie is uh, an expert in uh, this area. Um, do you think it's just going to fizzle out? Is there just so much stuff to, to, you know, get everyone to agree on, like within a year when everyone's kind of vaccinated, no one will care anymore yeah. about these passports? I hope it's going to fizzle out. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I'm not I'm not a fan, as I'm sure you've picked up by now. Um, I'm not a fan at all. And look, Canada right now, like the, the global situation is a nightmare, but that's a separate conversation. Yeah. Um, Canada is doing very, very well in all of our provinces and territories, uh, you know, in terms of vaccination rates. Um, you know, does herd immunity exist? You know, we were told at the beginning of the pandemic, that's our ultimate goal. And, and now we're we're told well we don't know even know if it exists or not but irrespective of that like we may not need it so it may really really come down internationally it's inevitable because it looks like the global picture is going to be very very bleak for a long time to come so i think that's a given but i think a lot of the provinces and territories because the feds aren't interested um are crossing their fingers and hope this whole thing blows over and you know that may sound like a ridiculous strategy but i'm not sure it is i actually think doing nothing at this point may be a little more reasonable <laughs> 
just waiting to see what because it's it's very complicated stuff and it's not laziness it's you know do we have to address this problem are we going to have this problem and i i don't think it's unreasonable to sit back and and wait and see where this is going well if they are introduced you know quebec is talking about introduction but only if they have another like fourth wave and if things are grim well, it's interesting because there is talk of having these digital vaccination passports to, to go to a, like a live concert or a sporting uh, event. Uh, but again, you know, to some of your points, will this fizzle out by then? Uh, and, and how do you get everyone on board with that? You know, if the federal government's not willing to step up and, uh, you know, be the poster child <laughs> for that, uh, you know, all the provinces are going to have all their own things going on. And, you know, will people get behind it? When you look at the polling, you know, for international travel, citizens are kind of behind it. But when it comes to, you know, passports to go to a restaurant or a movie theater, uh, you know, I get the general sense, you know, hell no, <laughs> I don't want to have to do that. No, and how would that play out? So, you know, the, these brave young 21-year-old waiters and waitresses <laughs> that have been underemployed and unemployed for all this time, like, do they have this dropped in their lap that they have to police this on top of everything else okay. and have all the bitter political arguments that are going to go with it? Like, how fair is that? Um, you know, the uh, the counter argument is people have a right if they've been vaccinated to a safe environment and to know that they're in a safe environment. But, you know, I think if vaccine rates remain high, um, you know, we may not need them. Look, if they don't and the Delta and, and you know, all the other variants that are emerging really do break through and we've got quite a crisis on our hands nationally, I absolutely do think we have to consider everything we can do, but not yet. I mean, I, I really think we need to wait and see on this well you know i look back to some of the things that the federal government uh got behind in the early days you remember the contact tracing app yep how successful that was <laughs> oh yeah that wasn't that was, that was a real wonderful thing wasn't it yeah that yeah. went nowhere yeah. yeah so i'm just wondering again uh you know if, if they go down this road uh you know the provinces uh I just don't think they'll get support behind it. I don't know how they would ever police that. Like you said, you know, some 21-year-old hostess at uh, Cactus Club, are they going to be the gatekeeper of of people no, coming they in? They shouldn't have to be. No. You know, you know, in my opinion, it, it's an unreasonable expectation of their job requirements to do that. Um, and, you know, the, the bitter debates they're going to have to get into with or have forced on them by people. So, you know, we will see where it goes. But what, what I really notice, because, you know, I've been doing a lot of work on this Canada you know we're not exactly coalescing on this one um, you know we often do as Canadians we tend to coalesce much more and I don't mean it's not an anti-American statement but the Americans do tend to you know they'll remain on issues divided for decades Can- Canadians tend to coalesce on things eventually we're not coalescing on this really um, we're quite divided you know even ideologically what does the left think what is the right it, it depends who you ask it's not even a, a clear ideological split um, um, and it's evoking very strong feelings in people. Um, you know, I think Labor Day is sort of the litmus test. And Labor Day is not that far away, right? Because by Labor Day, the amount of Canadians that have had full access to vaccinations uh, will be substantial. By Labor Day, I could be wrong on this, by the way, but this is, you know, by Labor Day, we will likely have a, a sense of at what level we're going to plateau in terms of vaccination rates. Um, I'm guessing could be wrong, could be wrong. We're going to do well. I, I'm guessing we're going to be 80% plus. Um, so, you know, we may not have a major problem. We'll, we'll have to see. 
it, it's interesting because normally Canada sort of follows somebody else's lead, whether it's the UK or the US in these matters, but it seems like no one's got their stuff together. No, no. And the Americans are doing this very differently. And, you know, the big issue now is the universities and colleges across Canada. Uh, you know, some are saying that if you live in our residences, you'll need a, essentially a vaccine passport. You'll need proof. Residence is a little different because that's someone's home. Uh, you know, some in Ontario are saying if you want to set foot on campus, you have to be fully vaccinated. So, you know, th- this is what's emerging. But the Americans seem to be a little more tolerant of it. Um and, you know, there's a lot of cultural similarities between Canada and the United States, but we all know the social fabric is not identical. So we, we have to find our own way with this as Canadians, you know? We're talking with Kerry Bowman, bioethicist, all about digital vaccine passports internationally and in Canada. It looks like the international side, something's going to come out of it, but uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens uh, on a province-by-province level. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Very insightful. You're very welcome. I'm happy to do so. Don't forget to enter our contest, giving away an amazing prize this month, John, a uh, an MSI laptop. It's their Summit E13 Evo Flip. I can't believe I got that out in one, one it is sentence. a mouthful but it is an amazing laptop this is a, a high-end uh you know intel core i7 11th generation processor super thin touchscreen it flips into tablet mode as well if you want a chance to win go to our website getconnectedmedia.com when we come back from the break more tech to talk stay tuned you're back with the program. Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. Let's get to a little geeky now and uh, talk about computer components and specifically RAM and SSDs. Today, we've got a great guest uh, on, on the line. His uh, name is Patrick Jan, and he is with a company called Kingston. You've probably heard uh, about them. They've been around for many, many years now. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. Well, thanks for having me on the show. So you guys uh, make a, a number of different products, been really big into the whole uh, RAM, and, and RAM is... The the memory that you put inside computers. Why is RAM important for a computer, especially getting the right RAM? It's not just well, size, it's the speed and everything as well, right? That's that's absolutely right. So, so you know, really what it depends is on is what, uh, you know, uh, the consumers utilizing, right? So if they need a lot, if they're, you know, just watching YouTube and reading emails, and they don't necessarily require a lot of memory. And really what memory is doing is just storing that information quickly, you know, so it doesn't have to go, This you know, the CPU doesn't have to go back to, you know, the hard drive. Right, so it's just saving time essentially for the consumer. So, if you're loading a lot of information onto it, after a certain point, it's going to get full, and then you're going to have start having issues. So, if you're, for instance, gaming, then you're going to need more memory than, let's say, the average person would need. If you're going to be doing gaming, and you're going to do also rendering in the background and other things in the background, you'll need more memory. I, I find, uh, Patrick, sometimes memory gets confusing for some people when they're looking to buy new memory. Like, is there an easy way that you can tell consumers on, on how they could pick the right memory for computers? There definitely is. And so typically what we prefer the customer to do is actually to go to our configuration tool that we have on our website. So if you go to www.kinston.com and you look at the right-hand corner, there's a little icon there that you can click, and that brings you to a configuration tool. And so our preference is that you actually know your motherboard or at least the system you have, and then we'll give you direction in terms of what you need for that that system. Don't mix and match old memory. There may be different speed issues, timing issues, so forth. But ultimately, um, um, our configuration tool will tell you what's best. 
and it'll explain the layout and so forth. So we have what's called a bank schema. The consumer can actually see uh, how many slots are available for it, what the speeds are, and, and it'll, we'll give you our part number recommendations. And from there, they can go, of course, to their favorite, fam, you know, favorite retailer, retailer to acquire the product from there. You touched on something really interesting that I think a lot of people have a problem with, and that's mixing and matching memory. That's where problems start. Always, because yeah. it's kind of like like mixing matching batteries, you know? Or car tires. <laughs> or, or car tires, yeah. yeah. Like it, uh, it, 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 it unbalances the force. It kind of works, yeah. <laughs> but uh, not uh, not very well. You guys exactly. uh, are, are moving to a new brand, uh, Fury. So it was HyperX before, like why change the brand? Uh, that's a good question. So we actually sold our HyperX division, gaming division to HP, and that's that touches on the peripherals. So the headsets, keyboards, mice and mouse pads. We ended up retaining our gaming memories and the SSD flash products also. And even though we, we can actually use the HyperX brand name for a number more years, it, it became, uh, you know, it's really a bit of a challenge for us because we have existing partnerships and, um, and you know, other computer vendors that are utilizing this. So it just for us, we made the decision that we need to switch over to a new brand. And, and you know, personally for us at, at Kingston, we're excited about building another brand because, you know, you know, we had incredible success with HyperX and we're looking forward to, you know, great success now with the Fury DRAM line. I guess that appeals to the gamers out there as well. Exactly, actually, you know, and, and that's a good point too, because um, you know, for those that are unaware of what gaming memory is, it's it's most people buy what we call industry standard memory, and uh, you know, gaming memory can be overclocked, and so that's really about you know better performance by lowering timings, and you're going to get smoother gaming uh, experiences, and you know, with higher resolutions, higher frame rates, and so um, they also the other interesting thing with you know versus industry standard is that our gaming memory actually comes with heat spreaders because it can run a bit hot. And so, it, you know, it keeps it cooler. And plus the other thing about it and, you know, using the word cool again is that we have RGB with them. So, you know, not all parts will come with RGB, but we do offer that, whoa, 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 uh, that whoa. in our lineup too. So, so your memory modules have RGB lighting in them? They, they do. So some of them, so you have to actually purchase that if, you know, we have, uh, you know, for instance, we may have a 3200, you know, uh, you know, 16 gig module and one you can buy without and one you could buy with RGB. So we do offer the choice to the consumer. So, so you've got your, your Kingston Fury line, like what kind of products do you have in that line? So basically, uh, we're transitioning over. So it's going to be very similar, but we're transitioning to the HyperX to the Fury with these name changes. So Fury, which were originally was our, um, I guess you could say the product line, uh, uh, you know, is now Beast. So we're going to, it's going to be called Fury Beast. And that'll essentially incorporate 2666 megahertz all the way up to 3733. That's kind of more for game, gamers, right? Yeah, this, it, I would consider that more your entry-level gamers, okay. you know, that would want to utilize that. And then if you're really, really serious about gaming or if you're you know, doing some really high-end stuff, then then we, we've uh, transitioned our Predator, which was HyperX Predator now, over to the Fury Renegade. That's even faster. Of course, we still have Impact, which is SODIMS. Um, those incorporate basically 2933 to 3200. And uh, that's 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 really it for the lineup. So those are the three major aspects. So, so the last one there, you got really geeky. Just uh, boil that down for the, the layman <laughs> sure. out there. Uh, sorry, uh, so dims really what that's for is laptops. So they're just Got a smaller it. form factor, and yeah. they're so those you know those laptops you have in front of you, you'd utilize so dims for that. I actually asked that for myself as well. It's it's hard <laughs> keeping up on all this stuff, Patrick. <laughs> it's so much new technology. Oh, I'm, I'm in the yeah, I've been in the business twenty years, and I still can't keep up with it. So I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> You, you also have SSDs or, or solid state drives, and this is kind of the new hard drive. Uh, in the past, hard drives, you know, had the spinning platters in them, and they've been great for years. But SSDs are kind of like digital memory, and that's that's a big thing now for laptops and, and desktop computers. 
Correct. Yes. And so, you know, on the under the Fury name, um, we don't currently have any SSDs available yet, but we will be launching. So it's uh, actually later Q3, early Q4. We're coming out with one. Uh, it's going to be called the um, actually, sorry, it'll be around September 27th, I believe, is launch date for that one. It's going to be called the Fury Renegade. And it's an NVMe M.2 drive. And so just maybe to, to I don't know, geek it down a little bit. <laughs> it's uh, it's just a smaller form factor. It goes it's not like um, it, lo- it looks like parts. a memory chip right yeah exactly yeah. exactly so it's and it's so you know it has that long sort of length to it it'll have a you know a black pcb actually with a graphy label it's going to look kind of similar to our fury ram modules too do you got one with rgb uh it probably i guess <laughs> <laughs> i'm hoping that eventually we do i should probably look at the specs but uh it's still it's still to be launched all i do know is that it's going to range from about 500 gigs to two terabytes and it will be you know a high performance a four by four channel uh, no M.2 and, and standard form factor, but uh, in the M.2 family. Uh, so is that the future for that Fury line? You've got the memory uh, chips, you've got the SSDs? Correct, yes. And then, you know, ultimately, I would believe they're going to be bringing out some flash. It's still likely under non-disclosure, but eventually, or, or not non-disclosure, but we haven't, we haven't been told yet, I should say. So uh, my guess is that we'll probably hear more about this later this year, but there should be some flash product that will probably come with that too. And where can people get, get uh, the Kingston Fury memory? So, yeah, that's, that's a great question. So um, basically to start, uh, you know, Kingston Fury will be available July 19th, and we're going to start with Memory Express and Canada Computers, but all major distributors will have access starting that day. We're talking with Patrick Jan from Kingston, all about memory for your computers. And the website, again, where people can go to that configurator to learn what kind they need? Yeah, you want to go to www.kingston.com. And uh, on the 19th, we're going to have a, another one um, that's not on the page right now, but it's uh, <laughs> the link I have is quite a bit longer. Uh, I have something like kingston.com slash United States slash US slash solutions slash gaming, which is way too long. Or just go to kingston.com and search for it. <laughs> you're right. And I think it'll be kingston.com slash fury eventually is my guess. Perfect. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. We've been teasing the contest uh, through the whole program, John. It's an amazing one. We're giving away an MSI Summit E-Series Flip Evo laptop. This thing is all kinds of amazing. 2000 bucks Comes with uh, an amazing uh, corkscrew as well. <laughs> I know everyone's like, why does it come with a corkscrew? Like, this is one of these designer Italian corkscrews. It's like worth 100 bucks. I think if you... If you- understand this line it's alessi is the name yes if you know that brand you know this is a good deal yeah i don't so I'm well still- this laptop's aimed at the refined consumer right not me not not beer swilling john and mike <laughs> <laughs> no but it, it this it's an amazing laptop so go to our website getconnectedmedia.com and john how can they get more entries so to enter into the contest as a whole, you have to find our contest page, which is on the top of the screen. It's got a photo of the laptop and it says MSI laptop giveaway. Click on that, go through, read all the instructions. This week, you can get an extra 25 entries. 25 entries. Yeah, all you have to do in the contest entry form itself, there's a link or actually it's the YouTube video for the laptop review. Yeah, which will actually show you. Show you what you're going to win. Yeah. Just go to YouTube through that link. Watch it. Watch it and leave us a comment and tell us where you heard how to get this extra entries. So you can say, I heard it on the radio, on GC. I heard it on the podcast. And subscribe. And Well, yeah. Yes, 
I think you should subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Uh, that's all the time we have left. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got uh, lots of great uh, content, reviews, videos, blogs, and also our podcasts uh, to our sister show, The App Show, coming up uh, Sunday or Saturday nights uh, in Toronto. I want to thank John and Christina who helped put the show together. We'll see you again next time.